Coming up on episode 373 of the YLP Podcast, happy Summer Slam Day, or if it goes absolutely horrible on this day, we're going to call it Happy Summer Scam Day. But we already talked about that last weekend, we're focused on what's going on today. Yes, it is Summer Slam Day, yes, it is the biggest party of the summer, so they say. But that won't stop us from discussing the news that's fit for me to talk about. And what do we have on the docket this week? Not a lot of news to discuss because there's a couple headlines that really, really have, in a sense, and by my reasonable um, self of what to discuss for this week's episode, I've kept it limited to three bits of news for the week before we, of course, discuss the Great American Bash. And of course, there's news on the latest on the planned launch of NXT Europe. I haven't talked about NXT Europe in quite some time because there really wasn't much news to discuss. Um, the last piece of news that I remember, Aaliyah James said she was gone from her WWE contract. So this is about as big as news in terms of NXT Europe as we're going to get at this very time. WrestleTalk.com has the scoop and we're going to be discussing that today. Also, from Fightful.com, Lufisto details issues with AEW, clarifies the tweet that she put out, and Dustin Rhodes responds to Lufisto. I'm sure you've probably heard of, uh, the tweet around the world making the rounds about Lufisto's uh, time in AEW, which was pretty much one night in the sense, given the fact that she was in, wasn't the only one signed uh, in the six woman tags that she was involved with, I believe, uh, last year. Um, it was last year or earlier this year. Nonetheless, this has, of course, a big issue to deal with, with the, in terms of the AEW Women's Division, and we're going to talk about what she had to say about it and how Dustin Rhodes responded. But our main event, oh, our main event, ladies and gentlemen, Vincent Kennedy McMahon apparently got hit with a federal grand jury subpoena and search warrant. Company re has revealed that Something was a little bit uh, fishy with the quarter two numbers and whatnot. I'm not saying that this will be the the undoing of Vincent Kennedy McMahon once for all, but we will discuss how big of an issue this is. And I think there's something I haven't done in a while that I think I'm going to have to do. And it's something that I never thought I would do for quite a while, but it bears one to take place and that ladies and gentlemen is nothing more than a good old-fashioned ylp podcast rant so definitely something to look forward to on today's episode we're going to kick off this week's episode discussing what went down just six days ago at the great american bash all of that because ladies and gentlemen Let's kick off SummerSlam Day the right way. This is episode 373 of the YLP Podcast. Let's hit that intro. Let's get it started. And with that being said, let us begin. Hello, everyone. This is Nate the Effing Great from the Brace for Impact Podcast. It is time to open your ears and most importantly, wake up your mind because you are listening to the Young Lions Perspective here on Wrestle Attic Radio, the cure for the common 
Wrestling Podcast. Podcast here, and welcome to episode 373 of the YLP Podcast. It is 12:45 at the time I am recording this. I apologize for not getting this out to you sooner, but I do hope you're enjoying your day, your night, your afternoon, your evening, wherever you may be, wherever you are in the world. Thank you guys so much for checking out this episode of the podcast, and as always. I greatly and truly appreciate it. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, or opinions about today's episode, or any of the other 372 episodes of the YLP podcast, please do not hesitate to hit me, your boy, up with a voice message over at podcasters.spotify.com slash perspective. podcasters.spotify.com slash radio over on ambiguouspodcastsolutions.com, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher Radio and everywhere else you listen to podcasts. You can also hit me up with an email over at younglinesperspective at gmail.com. It is August 5th, 2023. Happy SummerSlam Day. And as I said in the intro, if all goes wrong, happy Summer Scam Day. Before we get into festivities of course let us take ourselves back six days ago NXT Great American Bash to say that this was a big night for NXT would be even for me a bit of an overstatement I'm not going to lie to y'all. Because overall, this was actually a solid show across the board. Of course, we all know not every show NXT puts on is going to be an absolute five-star classic, nor do we expect every NXT premium live event to be a five-star classic. We expect a solid show from the black and gold. That's honestly all we strive to ask for, at least on my end. Of the grand scheme of things, I expect a solid show across the board, and I believe NXT was able to accomplish that. Now, I'm not going to get into every single match on the card, because not every single match on the card, at least in my opinion, deserves a full wholehearted, you know, reviewing, if you will. I do, however, want to make sure I get the bigger points across from this show. And that's exactly what I'm going to do with this review. In terms of overall, in terms of what went down this past Sunday, um, I have to say I am thoroughly impressed with a lot of the talent that performed on this show on this uh, Sunday night. This past Sunday, I should say. Because 
we can easily start off with Carmelo Hayes, Ilya Dragunov, which honestly was the clear-cut match of the night. That was your, this was our, this was the 100% best match of the evening. 100%, without a doubt, the best match probably NXT has put on all year long up to this very moment. That is what NXT has done. Carmelo Hayes versus Ilya Dragunov was quintessentially the stuff of legend. That is a phrase I don't use very often in terms of pretty much any promotion, at least within North America and around the world. Hayes versus Dragunov was a clear cut match of the year contender I saw it online um we were in the discord on this past Sunday night and what was it myself Taekwon Ricky, Nate, and Fretz all of some uh, discord chat over in the war lounge watching NXT Great American Bash talking about the show itself but we all in like 100% were wrapped up from beginning to end in this main event. We knew exactly what to expect with Carmelo Hayes and Ilya Dragunov. I knew exactly what to expect from Carmelo Hayes and Ilya Dragunov. I knew what to expect from Ilya Dragunov. Now, I understand, especially now with the reports coming out, that Ilya Dragunov is not to be looked is pretty much by WWE standards, is more than likely not gonna be called up anytime soon to the main roster. And what confuses me is the fact that now we're at a point at least in Carmelo Hayes reign where Who was next in line to face Carmelo Hayes for the NXT Championship? Now knowing that Trick Williams now not necessarily broke up with Carmelo Hayes, but pretty much stating to him that I need to be my own man. I need to venture out on my own. And very respectable, may I add, in terms of storyline, in terms of solid continuity. Because we know when Carmelo Hayes does get called up, eventually to the NXT, uh, to the WWE main roster, we know sooner rather than later, Trick Williams is going to come in and make his debut saving Carmelo Hayes. Hopefully. That's the... But this was easily one of the best main events NXT has put on in 2023. I mean, the match itself was a full-on spectacle. A full-on 24-minute mano a mano. I'm gonna beat the shit out of you. You're gonna beat the shit out of me, and we'll see who stands at the end. They were literally trying to destroy each other just to have the right to be called NXT. 
champion. And dare I say, this was Carmelo Hayes' most difficult opponent to date. And I would honestly say Dragunov was a more, much tougher opponent than Braun Breaker was. It's not to say Braun Breaker ain't no tough dude. He's one of the baddest that is in NXT at this very moment. But Dragunov is on a different kind of level. I mean, if you've ever seen his battles outside of a WWE ring while he was in progress taking on uh, Gunter and the talent they have over in progress around that time you can easily see Dragunov is that dude I mean we can't say Dragunov is him because Carmelo Hayes is him But when you look at it from the perspective of myself or the perspective of someone who's really intently watching this match, you see the very best of what NXT has to offer in terms of the main event scene right now at this very moment. They put on a show. And a lot of people you know, thought, oh, you know, maybe this is Trick, you know, Trick Williams and Carmelo Hayes turning heel or all these things. That could be further from the truth. They never turn heel. Nor did I ever get an inkling that Hayes and Williams were going to turn heel. I wasn't even expecting Williams to go come to Hayes and basically say, I need to be my own man. I need to be finding myself I need to be you know finding for myself and and trying to find my way through NXT it's him going to Carmelo and basically saying like I think it's my time now to start getting you know start making my journey start going on my path start seeing where I end up that's a win in and of itself because it's not a diss to Carmelo But getting back into the match itself. There were so many times in this matchup where we thought Dragunov was going to become NXT champion. You know, the flying forearm coming crashing down on, on Carmelo's face. Hitting Torpedo Moscow on Carmelo. But also at points, Carmelo had the match. We thought Carmelo had the match won, and he didn't. But this was, and I think I said this in a Discord chat. I basically said like this is strong style personified, and NXT, at least at least the way I see it personally, always seems to find a way to have these kinds of matches where you expect one guy to, to follow that style, but you don't expect the other one to follow that style. Dragunov is is one why I see him, and I know we can go into that strong style. He can tap right into it like it is nothing. Carmelo Hayes, however, had to be on a different kind of level to be able to keep up with Ilya Dragunov. Like I said, Ilya Dragunov is no slouch. Ilya Dragunov is one of the best in the world, in my opinion.
But even I had thought, and at least going into the matchup, not necessarily when I was previewing the show itself, not when I was going, you know, into my predictions and preview and everything. I knew what this I knew what this match could be. I did not expect the match that we got. And in, and as a person who appreciates, you know, the Japanese strong style of wrestling, I appreciate that both men were willing to go out and give us that kind of match. With Dragonoff going on the top of the rope, Hayes hitting him with a straight up code breaker to counter what Dragonoff was trying to do. And that not being enough. You know, Harmela is coming out with nowhere and hitting, you know, a nice little tilt to world. Uh, pretty much like Bulldog. Him coming up, hitting a springboard DDT, inverted DDT on fucking Dragonoff. We saw a thing, we saw the progression of Carmelo Hayes in terms of how he approaches certain opponents. That's what I get to appreciate from this matchup. Two men literally going out there willing to die for this gold. The way I see it, if you aren't willing to die for it, don't fight for it. They were willing to die for it. That's the type of match I appreciate from these two. Is that they were willing, it looked as if they were willing to die for it. And I guarantee you, Carmelo Hayes' chest the next morning hurt like hell. Because his chest looked raw, red, beaten. And still, the only reason Hayes got that championship, because Dragunov made a critical error in the end of the match, jumping off the steel steps and trying to hit Williams with Torpedo Moscow. But Trick was smart enough to push Carmelo out of the way allowing Dragon Up to crash into Trick, but more importantly, if you caught it, he crashed into the NXT Championship. That's exactly what happened. Dragon Up made a slight critical error that cost him his chance at becoming an NXT champion. I, at the time, in the Discord chat, I was the only one to have noticed it. So it wasn't because Carmelo beat him. It was because Dragunov made a fatal error. This match was fantastic. 24 minutes, 7 seconds of pure strong style bliss I hope these two meet again somewhere down the line because that was that kind of that was that kind of match 
I think this will be a match that will remain a match of the year contender for the remainder of 2023. And one we will maybe be discussing in our top 10, in Mr. YLP's top 10 matches of the year for 2023. We will see. Because there's a lot of good matches that have done a lot for the sport of, of professional wrestling in 2023. But I will be a fool not to add this match to the list. A couple other points that I'm going to kind of like go into. Thea Hale, real quick, and Tiffany Stratton for the NXT Women's Championship in a submission match. Something I discussed in the Discord, then hopefully if you are an NXT fan and you have been for at least about six or seven years now like I have. One thing I noticed, and one thing I brought up in the Discord, is that when it comes to title contenders, meaning pretty much like, you know, talent who are getting shots at the NXT Championship or NXT Women's Championship, NXT Tag Team Championship, all that good stuff. This was the theme, more for, more so, for two of the titles. And um, one is one that we've seen before and one that I believe that has come to fruition. But here's the pattern I've noticed with NXT, at least since 2016. When it comes to title contenders, or certain title contenders, not all of them, but certain ones, usually their first chance, their first crack at the NXT Championship, NXT Women's Championship, NXT North American Championship, NXT Tag Team Championship, NXT Heritage Cup, now that we have that in the, in the whole situation. We saw two opposite sides of the spectrum in terms of second chance, uh, uh, well, a second chance and a first crack at the championship. In terms of Thea Hale, now mind you, Thea Hale is 19 years old. Well, Tiffany Stratton's in her early 20s. I think this match honestly went went a very, very long way for Thea Hale. I think this personally was one of those matches where you look at a talent like Thea Hale and you look at a talent like Tiffany Stratton and you think this may not be the best match on the card but hopefully they give us something of substance and I think the submission match stipulation really helped matters I mean we saw towards the end of the matchup you know Tiffany you know pretty much had Thea Hale locked in that you know Boston Crab and leaned into it sat down on the back basically working the back the entire match and it got to the point where Thea Hale was not going to give up she was not going to tap out she was not going to give and the only way for the match to stop was Andre Chase throwing in the towel now this has been a tried and true story before and has gone a couple different ways um, one is the heel version where we can see Thea Hale kind of be angry at Aunt Andre Chase for the fact that she, he threw in the tile on her when she was not going to give up. She was willing to pass out. She was willing to pull Steve Austin. A la Bret Hart. 
but what but what I'm trying to say is in terms of title title shots for contenders that may not get the dub the first shot. What I had said in our Discord was that more often than not, you usually see a certain talent, certain talent, you know, gunning for the championship on their first try. And I think of it along the lines of Braun Breaker, if you think about it. When Tommaso Champa beat Braun Breaker the first time, you kind of expected it. It wasn't Braun Breaker's time yet, nor was it Thea Hills. We knew that going in, at least I did. But what I had said was, normally you see, you know, a certain talent getting a shot at the championship, not winning said championship, but somewhere down the line, they usually get their next shot and they don't miss. They take that shot and they win. And they become champion. And now that's not to say Thea Hill. No, it's not written in the in the stars that Thea Hill is going to become NXT Women's Champion somewhere in the next year to eighteen months. I'm not saying that at all. But it's a pattern that we have noticed. But I will say this: Thea Hill put on her best match to date. She gave everything that she could to try and become the NXT Women's Champion. And not, and she didn't lose on her own accord. She didn't tap. It was because Andre Chase threw in the towel. Where they go with that is remains to be seen. But what I hope this happen, what I hope happens for Thea, is that is the same thing that happened with Duke. Duke questioned why he was part of Chase U. Duke questioned Andre Chase. Duke questioned whether or not he was actually chase you material eventually though as we saw in the match their match against schism um, for power of chase you that duke hudson was willing to fight for chase you he was willing to be chase you all the way Now, am I saying this is going to happen that, you know, is going to lightning going to strike twice? Again, it remains to be seen. But I think we should all give a ton of credit to Thea Hale for the performance she put on at the tender age of 19. I mean, she went from graduating high school to now becoming part of NXT. She can now say she vied for the NXT Women's Championship. Now, of course, time will move on. Tiffany will be basically talking her mess, saying, you know, I beat Thea Hill so bad that, you know, her teacher had to throw in a towel. We're going to go to that. But this should be the beginning of Thea Hill's story in terms of having to go back down the ladder and then having to climb that ladder up again back to the mountaintop. Will Tiffany Stratton be champion at the time that the Hell guns for it a second time? We don't know. But what I will hope for is that now NXT begins to kind of begin create Thea's story into hopefully staying at Chase U, but also at the same time, not going full-blown heel just yet. That's the hope. 
Now, on the flip side of things, the family. Tony D'Angelo and Channing Stacks Lorenzo. Your new NXT Tag Team Champions. It was only a matter of time. And I had told y'all last week that this was the family's time. After everything these two had went through to get a second crack at the NXT Tag Team Championships, they did not miss. Now, the match only went almost nine minutes, but it was more than enough for the family to finally upend Gallus. And now they can say, this ain't your kingdom. This is our block. We run it now. And honestly, this was something they had set out months ago. They wanted to become NXT Tag Team Champions, and now they can say they are. Ariana Grace even said, my baby is a champion. I have to say she's got good taste. And Channing Stacks Lorenzo, solid taste. Because she's messing around with the champion. But I am very, very thrilled for the family. I'm very happy that D'Angelo and Stax are finally on top of the tag team division. Now, that's not to say it's without its contenders, but I think right now, we now get to see what we do with the family as tag team champions. What, Who are they going to be facing next? We know Gallus has a rematch somewhere down the line. We expect that. But after Gallus, after, you know, the rematch with Gallus and with NXT more than likely keeping the belts on Lorenzo and D'Angelo, we don't know exactly who's going to step up. I mean, you got the dyad, but that time has passed. Hopefully, you know, the NXT tag team division gets revamped gets re-energized, gets a nice little rehash, and we start seeing new tag teams. You know, we have Los Lotharios, we have uh, the one team, uh, Bronco, Lima, and I forget the other dude's name. Like we have that tag team, we got Gallus, we have uh, Grizzle Young Veterans, even though I don't call them, even though they're not the Grizzle Young Veterans. But to see this storyline come to fruition and finally end with the family coming out on top, I think it was the right decision. I think it was the right call. I think it was written in the stars for this to happen. And the best part, we get to see Tony D'Angelo, the Don, with a good amount of nice piece of jewelry to wrap around his waist. I'm very happy for the for those two, and I think they deserve it. They're one of the better tag teams in WWE. And I think that this is going to be some kind of rain for the family. What will happen, I don't know. But hopefully, we get to see some good title matches with the family moving forward into the rest of the year and 2024. I was very, very pleased with the result. I think the match did exactly what it needed to do. It did exactly what it needed to do. And it didn't need to take long to do it. ain't nothing wrong with Gallus. Gallus was more than ready to drop those belts. 
it just made sense to do it. I mean, they did come out on the rugby drawing, so that, that is a fantastic, that was a fantastic look. But right now, Gallus Boys ain't on top, but the family is. I believe I'll end this review on this. The triple threat match for the North American Championship was a spectacle. Didn't go long, 12 minutes. Dom retaining, of course, made sense. Now, the concern about with a lot of people right now in the game is that Judgment Day is getting overexposed. The Judgment Day are being overexposed by WWE. Now, are they wrong? Does some capacity no? But what I did say, uh, talking to a friend of mine about the uh, Dirty uh, dirty Dom and the NXT North American Championship is that it does still bring prestige when you have a person who is on the main roster holding the North American Championship, defending it on the main roster. A lot of people would think, you know, it's very, very, it's a very bad look for a main roster talent to go down to the black and gold brand win their secondary championship, bring it to Raw, and defend it. This is my argument. It adds prestige to the belt, does it not? Think about it. You have a talent like Dominic Mysterio, who I believe is literally the number two heel in the company, behind Roman. Some would argue he's the number one in, you know, all of professional wrestling. That's not a bad, that's not a bad take to have. Definitely not a bad take. I'm not wondering what the end game is in terms of Donna holding the championship. I think personally, this was the only belt more than likely he was going to win. Because think of the two champions that are holding the mid-card titles on Raw and SmackDown. Gunter holds the Intercontinental Championship on Raw. That ain't happening. And he's not taking that title, and nobody's taking that title from Gunter for a quite a long time. I don't even think they're going to worry about it until maybe close to Royal Rumble in terms of a title reign for Gunter and him dropping that Intercontinental Championship. Because I don't think anyone on the planet right now can beat Gunter for the Intercontinental Championship even after he's broken the record, which will happen next month. I think the best move is for like I said last week, Gunter to beat McIntyre and continue on to break the record. That's the goal. If the goal for Triple H was to simply ensure that records were made to be broken, there should be no reason as to why Gunter should not be breaking Hockey Tonk Man's longest reigning Intercontinental Championship reign of all time. He should break that record and continue to break that record, shatter it, Make it to 500 days. Make it to 600 days. Then drop the belt. Pretty much by the end of the year, he's going to be over 500 days. As Intercontinental Champion. Longest reigning Intercontinental Championship ever. But Dom holding his first singles championship is a very, very big deal. The match itself, spectacular. I mean, you put three guys like that, the talent, the likes of Wesley 
Dominic and Mustafa Ali, and you get what we saw on Sunday. You get exactly what we saw on Sunday. I was thoroughly pleased with this matchup. Even though, like I said, it was 12 minutes. I mean, Rhea putting Wesley through a table. Um, Wesley jumping over Rhea Ripley and hitting Dom. Landing on his feet and then giving them the rascal wave. Which I did see Trey Miguel and I believe uh, I believe it was Zachary Wentz. Who uh, brought it, who actually quote tweeted it and gave and saw that rascals wave and actually it was a gif of the little rascals doing the same wave. Kind of sucks that Nash Carter got the you know got the dick and ousted from the company on bullshit presenses, but that ain't that type of show right now, and we're not gonna get into that. But because that kind of ruined MSK and all that shit, but. Again, we ain't talking about that right now. What we are talking about is the fact that Wesley holds the record for the longest reigning NXT North American Championship ever. He holds that. Now, it sucks that he doesn't have the championship. Of course, to some, Wesley's that dude. But the only reason that Wesley lost the championship was due to some shenanigans by the Judgment Day. And that is why Dominic Mysterio is the current reigning and defending NXT North American Champion. Now, my thoughts at this very moment could be Mustafa Ali is the one that takes that title from Dominic Mysterio. Because honestly, they don't really have much else in terms of contenders for the North American Championship at the moment. Now, if that was Wesley's last match in NXT, I'm not saying that it is, but you can get that perception that Wesley would want to face Dominic Mysterio one-on-one before that even happened. That remains to be seen, of course. But this was a very well-thought-out, high-flying affair. This was a very, very thought-out match. And... Well, I think one I forget who said it in the uh, in the Discord chat. The North American Championship is not the Cruiserweight Championship. Now that kind of made me feel some type of way because I am a fan of the Cruiserweight division. But when you have guys like Dominic, when you have guys like Wes, when you have guys like Mustafa gunning for that championship, when you have people like Rhea Ripley getting involved in said matchup and doing it perfectly, it is a very wonderful sight to see. very very wonderful sight to see I don't know what they're going to do with Dominic next I don't know who he's going to face next my personal thing my personal thought would be he faces Wesley Wesley gets that rematch possibly loses the probably loses his chance to become NXT champion North American champion again and then we'll go from there but right now Dom's still your North American champion it's going to be interesting to see what happens going forward I mean, you see the success of Judgment Day, and you want to, and you want to see the best of Judgment Day. Overexposure can kill a stable. I think for I mean, going into SummerSlam, the possibility of Finn Balor becoming World Heavyweight Champion is right there. Think about that. Rhea holds the Women's World Championship. Dom holding North American Gold. Balor now then holding 
World Heavyweight Championship and Damian Priest holding money in the bank? Quite impressive, if you ask me. But I think right now, in terms of the North American Championship, I think they're going to make have Dom be, still be that kind of... Because it will get to a point where Dom can't win the big one without Mommy. And it seems as if maybe Dragon Lee might be the one to take the title from Dominic Mysterio. Remains to be seen, of course. But Ray Mysterio is going to be in Lee's corner for when Lee and Dominic actually compete for the NXT North America Championship. We will see what happens. I hope we get something good out of it. But if Dragon, if they're pushing and setting up Dragon Lee to become the North American Champion, not a bad idea in the slightest. Now, as I said earlier, Match of the Night easily goes to Carmelo Hayes and Ilya Dragunov. There's no two ways about it. This match, sensational. All the replay value, all of the spots, all of the moments. This has replay value on steroids. And if you haven't seen this match yet, I would go out of your way to ensure you saw this match for exactly what it is. This gave me Nakamura Zane vibes. Mm-hmm. Nakamura Zane vibes. Very hard to recreate that kind of magic. But we got it. It was a damn good exchange championship matchup. Again, this is probably one of the best matches of that NXT has produced in 2023. I know they don't do match of the year. Actually, they do in terms of the NXT year-round awards. But I, if they do bring match of the year back and bring back that category, that's your match of the year for NXT as it stands right now, August 5th, 2023. That is your match of the year for in terms of an NXT. That was the best match NXT has put on all year so far. And that's just my perspective. Pun intended. Match of the night. Clear cut match of the night. And hopefully they get to do it again somewhere down the line because I would love to see a part two of this. Because Hayes got lit up. But so did Dragunov. They went toe-to-toe. They went toe-to-toe. Dragunov gave Hayes his best shot, and Hayes did it to Dragunov. We'll see, but that was easily my match of the night. Now, in terms of worst match of the night, the double countout between Gable Stevenson and Baron Corbin. And honestly... looking at the match initially and then seeing what we got and then taking six days to ensure that what I saw and my perception of this matchup is true. I mean, I said in the group in the Discord chat, man's took two years away from the WWE and that is how you debut your one of your draft picks. Never showed up in a raw ring. Even Veer Mahan showed up before Steve was Stevenson. That's saying something. 
And we waited how long for Veer to show up? Granted, I mean, the way I see it now, Baron Corbin is nothing more than a glorified gatekeeper in NXT. I don't know. I, I don't understand what the gimmick is. I thought he was the lone wolf. I thought we were going back to that gimmick. Now he's doing some. Now, as Fred said, said it in the group chat, basically uh, what WrestleMania in Tampa was supposed to be. Had Baron Corbin had this gimmick in Tampa, this would have actually made more sense. But it doesn't. And if we're being honest, the fans knew it too and booed Gable Stevenson. They booed him before the double countout. And all five of us in the, in the chat were basically like, they're not going to do it like this. And sure enough, they did. Now, when you do couple double countouts, in my opinion, you're basically saying you don't want either man to take the L. The reason I had chosen Gable to win was because... It was Gable Stevenson's debut two years after he was brought into the WWE in the first place. So I'm thinking in my head, this is a clear cut. And it ended in a double count out. Now, the way I'm counting it in terms of the record, that is a... That is in the T-spot. That's a tie. And the record as it stands right now is 62-18-1 on the year. Double count outs technically cut down as a tie. So... I'm going to add a tie to mine. 62, 18, and 1. Four. Wait, no. No, 62, 16, and 1. I'm sorry. Because I did take two L's. Metaphor be damned. And, uh... What was the other one? Blair Davenport losing to Roxanne Perez. Now, the reason I didn't get into that matchup... Actually, I'm going to leave it as is. Perez Davenport, not a bad matchup. Could have been better. That's just me. But this match was the worst match of the night for the simple fact that crowd wasn't into it. Crowd booed it. And then we got the result that we did. Mm, that's the X for me. Which leads me to the MVP of NXT's The Great American Bash. Now it's a tie. We know it's a tie. And we know it's going to go to Hayes and Dragunov because they deserve it. They gave us match of the night, a match of the year candidate, a match that I will more than likely possibly go back and watch because it was that damn good. Those are your MVPs of the Great American Bash. This was the quintessential main event. Again, gave me Nakamura Zane vibes, gave me Strong Style vibes, gave me King's Road vibes from beginning to end. I did not want the match to stop. I even said in our Discord chat, I need another 10 minutes of this at least. I just want them to beat the shit out of each other for another 10 minutes. Again, like I said earlier, they were willing to die for the NXT Championship. Not literally, but when you look at the matchup, they were willing to destroy each other to just have the honor of saying they are NXT Champion. Impressive, nonetheless. I was thoroughly impressed from beginning to end with this matchup. Every spot made me want to just get more into it. That's why they are MVPs of the Great American Badge, and they honestly do deserve it. Which leads me to the final grade. 
Now, initially, I had this at card at an A minus. I did actually. A minus. I was going to give this thing A minus. I had it already in my head. Like, this is an A minus show. In terms of grades, this would be my highest grade of the year. Period. My highest grade of 2023 of the Wild P podcast. In terms of every review I've done, I believe A minus is my highest grade. It is rare that I give out A's, and it's very, very rare that I give out A pluses. Because to me, unfortunately, there's no perfect show. There is not. Because the perf- because an A plus means to me that every single match on a particular card delivered from beginning to end without a smidgen of even trying to nitpick. Because that's an A plus show to me. If I have to fully try to nitpick details of why this card is not an A plus, it's an A plus. I had it an A minus. Now, kind of giving myself six days to actually kind of think it over, it is definitely not an A minus. Assuming. I mean, Gable and Stevenson Corbin match, meh, mid, not even mid. That match sucked. It was just no. I mean, the brawl after was great. That was the best part of the fucking match, and that match didn't even count. That's why it got worst match of the night, because the match itself sucked. But what happened after, fantastic. But when I look at it as a whole, I can easily give this match a solid B. Solid B. Not bad. That's a good grade. That's a very good grade for NXT's Great American Match. A B, I think, is the right grade to give for this particular card. Had its moments of eh, but it also had its moments of greatness. Nathan Fraser actually got his moment in the sun. Um, and of course, Feroz, Leon, Lee, and Fraser had their had hella good moments in, the, in their matchup against the Metaphor. Fantastic. The family becomes NXT Tag Team Champions. Perez gets revenge on Davenport. We get the banger main event, but the best I can do is a B. And I think I can stand by that. I don't know. The way I see it, B is good. B is solid. Let me guys know what you think about what you think of the final grade, who you think the MVP is for the Great American Match, and what you think your best and worst matches are. I would love to know. Love to know. Voice message, email. Y'all know what to do. But that's going to conclude my review for the Great American Match. But when we come back, I got a bit of news. Of course, I'm going to be talking about the latest on the planned launch of NXT Europe, where we are at in terms of when maybe NXT Europe will possibly get up and running. Lufisto details issues with AEW clarifying a tweet that she had put out and Dustin Rhodes actually responded and I don't know how I'm I'm not gonna get into this episode without ranting or at least going on some type of tangent as we found out earlier this week Vince McMahon was hit with a federal grand jury subpoena and search warrant coming out of their quarter two results for 2023 I'm going to give you my thoughts on all that 
on the other side of episode 373 of the YLP podcast. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. How's it going, everybody? This is King Ricky Rose, general manager here at Westside Radio and host of Kings of the Rings podcast, a show where we look at the biggest topics in the pro wrestling world from WWE, AEW, and everywhere in between with my co-host Willie T, as well as K Fave, formerly known as DK Murphy. And from time to time, we'll have a special guest from the wrestling podcast world. So make sure to check us out each and every Wednesday night at 8 p.m. for our live streaming show on Twitter, Twitch, and YouTube with the premiere of the actual episode on all podcast streaming platforms the next day on Thursday. So Kings of the Rings podcast exclusively here on WrestleAddict Radio, The Cure for the Common Wrestling Podcast. And be sure to follow us everywhere on social media at KOTR underscore podcast. What is going on, folks? This is Mr. Fretz from the Fretzelmania Podcast, and you are listening to the Stephen A. Smith of Wrestle Attic Radio, Zach of the Young Lions Perspective, and unlike Stephen A., I'm here to tell you that we care. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back with episode 373 of the YLP podcast. Back at it with another late night edition of the YLP podcast. And I hope you guys are bearing with me right now. Currently, 2 o'clock in the morning, actually, I'm recording this because I'm a glutton for punishment. But, of course, before I get into the news of the week, of course, y'all know what time it is. It's time for that shameless plug. Talking about the entire family of the WrestleAddict Radio Podcast Squadron. Of course, on Tuesdays, make sure you check out the Brace for Red Podcast if you enjoy the early days of NWA TNA and the early days of Impact. This is the show for you. 100%, this is the show for you. Hosted by, of course, our current reigning and defending MCW Heavyweight Champion of the World, the Banana Man himself, Nate the Effing Great, guiding you through the history of Impact Wrestling. Check that out on every single Tuesday. Wednesday nights may never be the same. Of course, if you have YouTube, Twitch, or Twitter, you will be able to check out the Kings of the Rings podcast live every Wednesday night, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 5 p.m. on the Pacific's time. Know your time zones, know your math. Hosted by, of course, our esteemed general manager, King Ricky Rose, the founder of the KOTR podcast, Mr. Will Tereshuk, and the legend that is K. Motherfucking Murphy. Pop culture, sports entertainment talk, pro wrestling, all the good stuff. And they just did their, I believe they just did their SummerSlam preview, and I believe they did predictions. Um, if I am wrong, let me know. But I know recently they they, they did do their SummerSlam preview, so they definitely got that up. If you haven't checked that up, that episode, make sure you go check that out. If you don't check out the live video over on YouTube 
or you can check it out on uh, Twitch and Twitter at KOTR underscore podcast and over on YouTube. Simply search for Kings of the Rings podcast and you should be able to find that no problem whatsoever. If you missed the live version, you can of course check it out on YouTube or you can listen to the audio version every single Thursday when it drops. Friday, kick off your weekend in proper fashion with the Fretzelmania podcast as my man, Mr. Fretz, this week actually does his uh, preview and predictions for SummerSlam and his review of NXT's The Great American Bash as told by Mr. Fretz himself. Of course, like I said, we were all on our Discord chat, and everyone had a little bit of a different opinion of the show itself, but for the most part, we all talked about it at some capacity this week. Probably not Nate, I'm not sure, but if he did, make sure you check it out. And of course, you have me every single Saturday with the YLP Podcast, because we are WrestleLag Radio, the cure for the common wrestling podcast. Let us get into the news of the week and we're gonna start light we're gonna start light we have to start light honestly because the only have three bits of news this week but I'm, I'm increasing the level of rage that will probably come and i'm trying gonna try very hard at two o'clock in the morning mountain standard time of course to ensure that i don't go buck wild and wake up my roommate <laughs> miss wild um just gonna put that out there disclaimer i'm gonna try my very best to not actually i can't put that disclaimer out there because that would be a lie and we cannot we are not in the business of lying here on the ylp podcast but i am in the business of talking a whole bunch of shit but we're not going to as we start off over at wrestletalk.com the latest on planned launch of NXT Europe. Let us get into it. And it's not showing me who actually wrote this article, and I find that very sad. But we will, we will push through anyway. There has been the latest update on the planned launch of NXT Europe following the closure of NXT UK last year. The brand officially closed last year when the championships were unified with the NXT championships at Worlds Collide in September, with Braun Breaker defeating Tyler Breed to become the unified NXT champion. Mandy Rose defeating Mako Satomura and Blair Davenport to become the ununified NXT Women's Champion. And I believe there was a unification of the NXT UK and NXT Tag Team Championships. I forget who actually took those belts. Um, I believe Pretty Deadly may have uh, done the deed. If I'm not mistaken, or if I'm wrong, let me know. And I believe uh, there was no secondary uh, make our championship, so we didn't have to worry about that. But the NXT Heritage Cup did come over to NXT. Now, the brand itself was planned for launch in 2023, but with only a few months left in the year, we are yet to hear about any more about the status of the potential new brand. Now, in an update from PW Insider, the brand is still on docket, but obviously with the sale to Endeavor still being finalized, those within the company don't realistically expect anything to move forward until early 2024. The company reportedly has plans in mind for talents and coaches to be involved with the brand. One of the names bounced around as a coach for the brand is former WNXT UK star Shaw Samuels, who left the company with the closure of NXT UK and as guest coach at the Performance Center since. There will also be a Performance Center for talents to train at, with the expectation being that it will not be centered in London. And as I will say to you, and as the article does state, 
we will provide more about the on the status of NXT Europe as it becomes available. Now, of course, when we will uh, last discuss this here, um, basically, we were waiting on the um, beginnings of NXT Europe. Now, I did state if I remember correctly, if my mind serves me right, that we would probably be waiting some time. And now, if it would happen in 2023, we would have been clearly happy. But seeing as that, um, and from what I'm hearing, that the deal with Endeavor and WWE will not be made official until later on towards the end of the year. And with that being said, WWE Endeavor's deal is not fully finalized, which means NXT Europe cannot take place. It can't be done. And there's not much we can do about it. So, we will have to wait. It's unfortunate, but it's a little bit of news I wanted to pass through for y'all. NXT Europe more than likely will not get a start at least until early 2024. So keep that in mind. And uh, hopefully around that time, you know, we start hearing rumblings of when NXT Europe may begin, who will be involved. And uh, what can we expect in terms of championships, feuds, and all the good stuff in between? But of course, the anticipation, at least on my end, is still building. And hopefully, we get to see some good out of NXT Europe because NXT Europe is going to be insane. Of course, if you want to hear about that, I believe it's on one, I forget which episode it is, but um, I did break down my thoughts about NXT Europe and what the possibilities could be for NXT Europe, the takeovers they could have, the locations they can actually compete in. The rabbit fans, all that good stuff. But I just wanted to make sure I pass that little bit of news along to y'all before we get into the spicy stuff. And we begin that spicy stuff over on Fightful.com. Lufisto detailing issues with AEW clarifies a particular tweet. Dustin Rose does respond. This is actually from Jeremy Lambert and the Fightful staff themselves. On July 27th, Lufisto sent out a tweet that read, It's cute how people blame booking for a bad women's division, talent with too much power, talent denigrating each other, talent trash-talking potential employees so they never get in as soon as they walk in. It starts here. The one you called effing French-Canadian asshole. The tweet was sent in relation to the AEW Women's Division where discourse online started after a sign was shown on AEW Dynamite saying, quote, book the women's division better. Now, Lefisto's tweet caused even more discourse online as fans speculated who Lefisto was addressing in her tweet. Speaking of Fightful, Lefisto clarified her tweet and detailed her AEW experience saying, quote, I don't know where to start, but it's really something that has been bothering me for a while. It's been over a year that I had that dark match at AEW. There are so many things that happened that night. Things that I heard from other women that are working there, that had tryouts there, that were extras, as well as men who are currently employed. Of course, I know people want names and everything, but I'm willing to give the names of people involved in my story. But of course, if anybody did confide in me in something, I can share the story, but out of respect, I'm not going to share the name of someone 
who doesn't want to lose the job or is looking for a job. They trusted me enough to say, you can tell it, but not the name. I'm not going to do it. Where to start? Now, Mephisto started taking fans back to the April 6th taping, 2022 tapings in Boston, Massachusetts, where Lufisto worked the AEW Dark Elevation tapings, teaming with Emi Sakura and The Bunny against Ruby Soho, Anna Jay, and Sky Blue, saying, quote, I'll go with my story of how I got there. It might be pretty long, but then we can discuss it. WrestleCon in Dallas, 2022. QT Marshall is sitting right in front of me, and I did send him some messages on Twitter before. One of his questions was, do you have a visa to come as an extra on dark? I did not at the moment. He's sitting in front of me, so I'm actually going to say hi in person. That's where he tells me, it's funny you came to see me. I was thinking about you. We're looking for a female coach. Is that something that would be interesting for you? Absolutely. As much as I do love wrestling, one of the things I love most is they use the word coach. But I would say I'm more of an agent. I love sitting down with the young generation, even people of my experience. I just love setting up matches and making sure everything is established. The heel, the face, the psychology. The story you want to tell and where you want to go after. That's one of the things I love most. I was really excited. He said, would you be willing to move? If there's good salary, of course. I don't want to move for nothing. I just bought my first house. Can you be in Boston this Wednesday? It's Saturday. I just said, oh yeah. I didn't even think about it. I would figure out the rest. You should get an email. I go sit at my table and get an email. Wednesday, Boston. I see. You need blood test. There's no way. In two days, I could have a blood test that quick. There are places in Quebec, but I'll be home Monday, and Boston is eight or nine hours from where I live. I need to go the day before. I go see him and say, I'm, I'm sorry, I can't, I can't get the blood test that quick. Let me think about it. I get another email. Never mind the blood test. Just show up. Then I see COVID test. They want the big one, not the rapid test. Oh, that's the same problem. It's easy to get a quick one, but the PCR is really hard to get, especially in Canada. I go, hey, I can't. Sorry. I get another email. Never mind the code of a test. Just show up. Be there. Bring your gear. The whole thing is to meet with Tony. I'm wrestling, but I'm going there for a coaching job. Do my bookings in Dallas. Go home. Back. Jump in my car. I get there. She goes on to say, I go eating, meet Sean Dean. Really nice. They gave me my pass. The extras changed in the shower where the women were. I'm sitting around waiting. I really want to meet Tony Khan. That's the thing. The match is cool, but I want to meet Tony because of the coaching job. The first person I see is Bunny. I say, hey. She looked at me. What are you doing here? I'm hoping to get something. She goes away, comes back a bit later, and asks me the same question. I hope to have a coaching job. It's a little chaotic. People are running around. I go into the ladies' locker room in silence. There's Ruby, Bunny, and Tony sitting together on one side. They look at me. No words. And it feels really weird. I see Mercedes Martinez. Happy to see me. Jade is doing her thing. The young girls. Everyone is separated. I get the same question. What are you doing here? I got called to be an extra and meet with Tony. From there, I don't know. It doesn't feel good right away. I see QT. When am I going to meet Tony? I don't know. He's busy. Walk around. Mingle. I'm walking around. I'm watching Brian Danielson teach Jade, a newish wrestler. She comes to see me. Oh my god, you're here. I want to wrestle. Are you staying? I don't know. I'm going to ask the agents if you're doing, if you're going to wrestle me. Another one comes to see me. Oh my god, you're here. Please tell me you're here to stay. Wow, is it that bad? She's like, and makes a face saying, we need you. Then I'm starting to kind of put things together. Thunder Rosa is sitting on one side. No one is talking to her. 
One guy goes to talk to her. I don't know if it was an agent. I couldn't see from afar. Everybody is in their own thing. It's weird, but I'm not used to this environment. I'm waiting. No Tony. Nothing. I go backstage. I walk around. Meet Christian. Very nice. I talk to Mark Henry. I meet, I meet Dustin and he's talking to me about where I trained and his daughter. By this time, it's really late. It's almost five. I go see Mercedes. Do we know what we're doing? What's going on? She's like, we always know at the last minute. Time goes by. I see the card and the first wrestler who said they want to wrestle me. She said they won't let me. That sucks because I really like her. I end up in the sixth woman and they keep cutting our time. I see people complaining everywhere because they're not on the card. They came to Boston. They're not wrestling. It's really chaotic. I hear something about CM Punk, but I saw him at catering. He was doing really nice and he was nice to me. It feels like high school. There is no unity. For some reason, they tell me I'm going to have an entrance. I thought as an extra, I would not. I run to my car, get my jacket, go back in. End quote. Back inside the arena, Lou Fisto recalled an unpleasant encounter with Dustin Rhodes after she saw him conversing with Ruby Soho. Saying, quote, I go to the restroom. As I open the door, I hear she's something something. I open the door and on the table, Ruby Soho is sitting with Dustin and they just shut up and they look at me. Okay, they were talking about me. That's for sure. Ruby is like, I have to go. I go to Dustin and he goes, so all French Canadian people are fucking assholes, eh? I'm like, excuse me, what? He was nice to me five minutes ago. He's like, yeah, apparently that's the way it goes. I have a very bad relationship with Jacques Rougeau. I can say he was even abusive to me, calling me to tell me I was fat and to lose weight. I'm like, maybe he had a bad experience with Jacques too. He's looking at me differently. And the funny thing is, evil Uno walks by and he's like, hey, Uno, that's true. French Canadians are fucking assholes, right? Uno is like, I'm French Canadian. Oh, okay. They talk a little bit. I'm there, but I just leave. I'm like, what the fuck just happened? I love Dustin. I even wrote him messages thanking him for the keep stepping thing because it was very inspiring. I'm like, what the fuck just happened? Lufista continued, giving the details of the structure of her six-woman tag team about what she was told and the reaction after the match. Now, I actually read this article before today's uh, this episode. I just want to kind of get a feel for it. And this, what she had to say was kind of crazy. How to get a sip of water on this one. This one's a bit long, I know. My apologies. But, this is what she says, and I quote, I have to get ready for my match now, and I have to wrestle her. One thing I notice is, Sky Blue is not saying a word. They tell her what to do. Anna J says, I can do this. It will be your turn here. I don't want to talk too much to put my input, because I realize I'm the only one not signed in the match. Why am I here? At this point, I don't know. They told me I'm going to start with Sky Blue. What do you want to do? What are your moves? It's like either she's bland as a person or she's not allowed to talk. I don't know if she didn't understand why I was asking her for her stuff. I was weird. We do this. Ruby sets up the whole thing with Bunny. Emmy is just following. I do a clothesline. I should probably go for a pin there. No, don't do a pin. Just tag Emmy. Okay, cool. Ruby says the finish will be we do something. Anna Jay is going to biff you guys on the, f- on the apron. I'll come you, I'll come get you for the finish. One, two, three. Okay, that's fine. Do I go down? Do I stay up? Just stay there. The finish is coming. We go do the match. It is what it is. 
it bees what it bees. It's not like a five-star match, but the formats that we had, it is what it is. When we get to the finish, Anna J hits all of us, I stay there and wait, and nothing is happening. They keep going, they do something else in the other corner, I'm waiting, go back in, finish, one, two, three. We go backstage and they all keep going. Dustin is right there and is like, what did you do? What do you mean? You made all those girls that are signed when you're not really, when you're not, look really bad. It was terrible. Okay, details? You should have bumped on everything. They did. I'm like, everything they planned was for me to sell to the next for the other to sell the tag for me. To give a clothesline, tag out, and only tag back in. I have 40 seconds in there. Sir, can you please give me details on what I should have done better so I don't repeat it? When Anna J biffed you on the apron, you should have fallen outside. Now I'm like, thank you, sir. I see. Of course, everyone else left. No one is there when he's giving me this criticism. Billy Gunn is nearby. I look, around, I look around, and I'm like, can someone else tell me that I suck this bad? I need another opinion. He was looking at me like I was disgusting. Now I'm like, they told me to stay in the fucking apron. The thing that I was, the thing that I was thinking about was... There, are a few, there were a few girls that told me they had matches with Britt Baker where they would go in the ring and they would change the match completely, or if the girl forgot something, she would go, where are we? Silence. Of course the match would look bad. They would never be called again and they get stiffed as well. They didn't want to stiff me, but they made sure for at least an, to at least an agent I looked like a fucking idiot. I went around and asked some guys, did you watch that match? One of them told me I did not, but I will. While the match may not have gone as Lufisto had hoped, she was still hoping to meet with Tony Khan. Saying, quote, I change, I'm waiting. There's still Tony. The match. Forgot about it. You're here for coaching. I go to a wrestler I've known for years, and he's like, so, how was it? It was short. Yeah, they don't really watch our matches here. I've been doing Chris Benoit moves for the past month, and no one even knows. They don't care. Where's the structure? Eh, pretty much do what we want. I'm not saying that in a good way. I sit down, watch the show, and I wait. I see Sammy Guevara with his girlfriend. They were going out to the car before, coming back in. It's chaotic, and there's literally people sitting at one point, and they talk shit with, to each other. I'm with fucking children. Asked if the shit-talking was confrontational, Lufisto clarified. Somebody is talking shit on one side, the other guy is talking shit, but they don't talk shit to each other. They talk about each other. At this point, with everything that had happened, do I really want to be here? I would be good as a coach. I know I'm good at that. Of course, I don't meet Tony. I don't see my opponents. They've completely vanished. Asked if she was ever told why she didn't meet with Tony, Lufisto said she was told he was busy and then explained further issues she had with AEW and communication, saying, quote, apparently he was busy with something. A few days after, I emailed QT to see what's going on and if I could have comment. The wrestler they told me watched the match actually wrote the match was okay it wasn't something great but I think it went well I'm thinking apparently I was the absolute shit and I don't know what I'm doing he's like I don't know why you didn't pin after the clothesline I was told not to then I literally told him sorry not that I want to throw somebody under the bus I knew I was not signed at all and the other girl's like well he's like you didn't have the opportunity to show what you can do do you think the finish looked bad because I was staying in there no if I want to nitpick, maybe, but it's not that bad. After that, I'm having trouble getting paid. The show is in April. I was able to get it in July, and that's after I asked Dean. I asked UT. I asked another woman. They were like, we'll send it by mail, but there's a thing about the Canadian address. I looked at my W-9. Everything was okay. I was like, why the hell did nobody ask me about my work visa? I have a work visa, and nobody asked me. 
I give them my PayPal. Oh, we sent it and it's not working. Another promoter just sent me money and it's working. The lady was upset and finally I got it. After that, I tried to reach out to QT, never answered me. I tried to reach out to Dean, never answered me. When they came to Canada, I was like, let's try this. I sent a message. Hey, I'd like to be an extra in Canada. Completely ghosted me, whether it's phone, Twitter, email. Not even an answer, a no, nothing. It's a long story to explain how it went for me. But the thing that got me mad with the booking is, there is no structure. The booking is all over the place. The problem at AEW is there as a structure of power. Lufisto continued, recalling a past interaction with Ruby, saying, quote, you sure? I don't want to see how much we got left, because I don't think I'm going to be able to get to everything. It is a long article. I'm just saying, <laughs> I just realized that. Do, do, do. All right, we'll see. We'll see what we got. Do, 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 do. But saying, quote, I'm so upset that I went there and spent my money for this. I'm like, you should have known better, especially with Ruby. When I was backstage at WWE at WrestleMania, because I had tickets from Pat Patterson, Canyon Seaman was there. Kimberly was working there, and Andrea, Andrea, we were sitting together, and so was Ruby. Canyon comes to sit with us. Oh, I went to the women's shows, Queen of Combat. That was the shit. We went to Shimmer. We got what we wanted there. The rest was whatever. Kimberly and Andrea are looking at the floor and Ruby is like, yeah, yeah, I know, I know. You're shitting on Shimmer. From that moment on, I've always had that problem with her. How the fuck can you throw the mother of the bus just to kiss ass? The funny thing is, he looks at me. Who are you? Hi, sir. I'm Jen. Nice to meet you. He kind of figured I was out. I was on that show. Well, I gotta go. Ruby says, I gotta go too. And she left. I don't know if she ever thought I was going to talk about it. She gets booked at IWS in Montreal. They want to book her against me. All right, let's do this. Two days before they announce our match, IWS is freaking out. We have to change everything. We're sorry. Something with AEW. It involves five people on the card. We have to do redo the card. Okay, it's going to be Ruby because of me and all the other girls, which makes five of us is the reason why everything is fucked up. Of course, that's what it is. They didn't want to tell me. Shows up. Hi, how are you? Gives me a big hug. It's so nice to see you. I'm like, motherfucker, after everything you think I don't know, I've seen this behavior before. Lufisto then went on to further detail the structure issues within AEW, saying, quote, I'm telling my story and my experience for people to understand that the reason why this division doesn't work is the gatekeeping of it. It's not going to get any better as long as somebody doesn't stand up. Everybody's afraid to talk. Everybody's afraid to, doesn't want to say what I'm saying right now. I'm struggling. I'm even struggling right now because someone, but someone has to say it. Unfortunately, it's the 43 year old that's doing it because everybody is so afraid to lose their freaking jobs that they don't say anything and they accept things that should not be. Somebody has a tryout and you make sure they look bad. I'm not even talking about myself because I didn't look bad. I was told following discussions, some girls are asking for guidance and make sure they look bad so they don't come back because there's genuine interest in them. The girls fighting with each other. I hear it all the time. My ship is sailed. I'm aware of that. One thing though, I love wrestling with all my heart. So if somebody wants to say I'm bitter, I say fuck you. I go out there every weekend. I love what I do. I've been to court to defend women's wrestling. The thing that I do not accept is what's going on at AEW right now. 
Women are shitting on women when we should be helping each other and lifting each other up. If you're not good enough to be out there and prove you can go and you have to go through politics and people you're with, you don't belong in the sport. Right now, it's filled with people who use wrestling to have that fame. The ones that fought really hard for women to be seen as athletes, that we work together. One of the problems, men are in charge of the women's division. I'll be honest, they don't care. They will put their friends in spots before the women. If you stay up there because you're in your comfort zone, it's not going to change. You need to stand up. You need to speak your mind. Do it politely. But you can't have people running the whole thing with their friends, with their clique, and expect women's wrestling to change and people give it time so it matters. It's not going to change if you don't have people who are passionate about what women's wrestling should be when it's just the people who are out there who want to be there and have a certain power and it doesn't go with what is the best product you can put up when you have when you look at the talent they have in and out of the ring. You have Jerry Lynn, Christopher Daniels, Sarah Stock, Layla Hirsch, Chris Statlander, Jamie Hayter. There's so much talent. Why is it not working? It's not a question of booking. Because if a wrestler is good and passionate, they make chickens out of a chicken shit. I always think about Dusty Rhodes and the Polka Dots. He made that work. Mizdow could have been terrible, but he got himself over him and embracing it. Not telling them what to do. You work with strengths, weaknesses, you work together. You as the veteran, don't go, you're doing, you're going to do this, you're going to do this. That's the way it works here. I know I'm going back and forth on between so many things, but it shows how chaotic it is. There are so many little problems. Yes, it's booking related. Yes, it's someone that doesn't put their pants on and say, you're a talent, give me your ideas, I want to work with you, don't tell me what to do, I'm the boss, I pay out. Yeah. If there is something you don't want to do and are not comfortable, never push your talent to do something they are not comfortable doing. Wrestling someone they don't want to. That's creating more problems, injuries, and they're not going to have a good product on telly. You want things to work. If it means this person... This person and this person creates problems, fire them. You have 60 women who want to be on top and want to give you good matches. You're not using them because you have that core that wants to stay there and will do everything they want to stay there. Now, I'm not going to finish the rest of this article, but if you want to go over to Fightful.com and check out the rest of this article, I would suggest checking it out. She even says a lot more about women's wrestling and her experiences and I will say that I will end this segment on this what um Dusty Rhodes publicly responding to Lefisto now in the hours after Fightful's interview went live Dustin Rhodes publicly responded to Lefisto's comments on Twitter saying quote hey Lefisto read your story and sometimes as a coach I have to be very honest and will ever tell you a lie about how good or bad it was sometimes hard love comes out and wouldn't have it any other way I hope you find what you're looking for hashtag keep stepping now the big quote now the one tweet that kind of came out was her saying that she had a one hour phone call with a current AEW talent the woman who actually addressed the problems I did today were the ones sent home by Tony Khan there was a meeting to shoot on Thunder Rosa that Khan attended before leaving. He reminded them that their segments were the lowest. When some girls arranged a meeting to talk about Baker's crew, one of them ran to Britt to let her know. The girls that wanted to address the problem were the ones punished. Things didn't get better, they got worse. 
Legitimate wrestlers believe Tony doesn't give a damn about women's wrestling and feel like they're going back to the Divas era. Ask me who the fuck am I? Tell me I'm irrelevant, and then I'm doing this for attention. Call me a liar. Liar. Tell me to kill myself. You keep on closing your eyes and supporting human beings with shitty behavior. With the messages of support, and especially this phone call I received from AEW employees, this nobody did the right thing. Now, of course, there's also an interview, the entire interview on uh, their on Fightful's website, and you can check that out 100%. I would suggest doing so. It is a damn good listen. But if this is the way AEW's women's division is being run, they are in fucking trouble. As most of you know, I am an advocate for women's wrestling. I have been pretty much at least since the May Young Classic, at least the rise of NXT. Even Evolution when it dropped, I was a fan of it. Even though most of the, even though a couple of the matches were kind of mid. But one thing that blows my mind is that if AEW's women's division is in this much disarray, we've got a lot of problems that we have to we really care to think about. Now, like I said, I am an advocate for women's wrestling. I want to see not only the men thrive, but the women thrive as well. I want to see the very best of both divisions. Why? Because I want to see pro wrestling be seen as something that is actually lucrative. Not only for the talent themselves, but the company itself. A healthy women's division, a thriving women's division is a solid division. Now, if what Lufisto is saying is true, especially with, you know, whoever is in uh, Britt Baker's crew pretty much gets special treatment and the rest of them pretty much get shit on even to the point where if they're going to try to say something to Tony Khan about Baker's crew one of them will run to Baker and then they get punished that is quite odd quite odd indeed but again it bees what it bees it is what it is but if we have a division in disarray, we're going to have more problems to deal with going into the remainder of 2023, especially with All In at Wembley and All Out in just a few weeks, and then Full Gear. I am quite concerned for the AEW Women's Division, especially when we saw the fan hold up the sign that said, book the Women's Division better. We were doing this around the Divas era give Divas a chance women's wrestling all that stuff and it seems like it's going to be AEW's turn to actually be either exposed for this or exposed and correcting the actions that they have done if Tony Khan really doesn't give a shit about the women's division he's a fool with the amount of talent that AEW has on both AEW and ROH on Dynamite and Collision every single week, you would think, you would think that AEW's women's division would be thriving. Look at the talent they have in AEW. Look at the talent they have in AEW today. And you mean to tell me you can't build a proper division around the talent that you have in the division? Come on now. That's foolish. I mean, Hikaru Shida is now the current reigning and defending AEW Women's World Champion. Shocking, I know. 
But the fact that remains this. If what Lufisto is saying is true, and if what her experience was is legitimate, which I believe at this very moment, then AEW needs to seriously sit down with each other, hash everything out, and get the job fucking done. There's no excuse for the talent that you have in that woman's division and not make it the best it could possibly be. That's the truth. The real fucking truth. I hate to be that person. But the one thing that I need to see is a better division in AEW for the women. Give them a give them the shot they deserve. Don't make it just about a certain amount of people. Don't make it just about a core group. If you have talented women on your roster who can go in the ring, cut promos, and make a feud with anybody, I suggest they do it. It'd be worth it in the end if we were being brutally honest with each other. So let's be brutally honest with AEW. AEW, Tony Khan, if this is how you want to handle your women's division, get prepared for Backlash and Hellfire and Brimstone coming your way. I figured I'd give you the heads up now just in case you didn't want to hear it. But just know, on August 5th, 2023, I told you, Tony Khan, do not fuck this up. That's all I'm going to have to say about that. That's going to conclude your mid card for episode 373 of the YLP podcast. And when we come back, it's the main evento segment. The, the rant you have all been waiting for. And it's been a while since I've done a rant. Granted, it's going to be probably around 3 o'clock in the morning as I rant. But we're going to make do regardless. And that is on the other side of episode 373 of the YLP podcast. We'll be right back. As soon as the deal was made, 
let's get Manny right back to doing what he does. Running the company creatively and essentially going back going backwards and dismantling every fucking thing Vince McMahon, not Vince McMahon, Triple H had done since last year. When Vince McMahon decided to step down and leave the company amid sexual harassment and assault scandals. Now, when I found out about the news that there was a federal grand jury subpoena and search warrant following their quarter two meeting for the 2023 fiscal year. The first thing my mind went to was why in the absolute dog shit fuck is Vince McMahon still hanging around in WWE? Let's go into the article and I'll see if I can keep my cool as much as humanly possible. This article is actually from Dan Mangan. Federal law enforcement agents executed a search warrant on pro wrestling entertainment boss Vince McMahon last month and served him with a federal grand jury subpoena, the company disclosed on Wednesday. The actions represent an escalation of an ongoing investigation into allegations that McMahon paid millions of dollars over the years to women after being accused of sexual misconduct. WWE also revealed Wednesday that McMahon, quote, went on medical leave after undergoing major spinal surgery. Vince McMahon's leave began on July 21st, and he will remain on medical leave until further notice, but will remain executive chairman of WWE. The quarterly, the company had sent in its quarterly report to the Securities and Exchange Commission. Reach for comment Wednesday. The company said it believes the subpoena and search warrant are, quote, a continuation of the investigation that commenced last summer. WWE is cooperated throughout and fully understands and respects the government's need for a complete process. Quote, McMahon in a separate statement told CNBC, I quote, I have always denied any intentional wrongdoing and continue to do so. I am confident that the government's investigation will be resolved without any findings of wrongdoing, end quote. In April, WWE agreed to merge with rival UFC to form a new publicly traded company controlled by Endeavor. WWE both expect the deal to close in the second half of this year. Hence why I said about NXT Europe in, in the last segment. The search warrant and subpoena on July 17th came a year after news first broke that federal prosecutors and the SEC were investigating WWE and McMahon over his payments to women. WWE noted in the SEC filing Wednesday that it has received voluntary and compulsory legal demands for documents including from federal law enforcement and regulatory agencies concerning the investigation and related subject matters. McMahon's wife, Linda, was previously CEO of WDE, served in former President Donald Trump cabinet as an administrator of the U.S. Small Business Administration. McMahon's federal search warrant and grand jury subpoena were disclosed just a day after Trump, a longtime friend of McMahon's, was, in, was himself indicted by a federal grand jury in Washington, D.C. on serious felony charges related to his efforts to reverse his loss in the 2020 presidential election. WWE on Wednesday said that during the three and six months 
ended June 30th, the company incurred 5.3 and 7.1 million, respectively, of expenses related to costs incurred in connection with a separate investigation by a special committee created by the company's board. McMahon has agreed to reimburse WWE for all reasonable costs incurred in connection with the special committee's work, the company said. To date, Mr. McMahon has paid approximately $17.4 million to reimburse the company for costs that have been incurred by and paid by the company. It is not clear how much more McMahon will have to reimburse WWE beyond that amount. As previously disclosed, the special committee investigation was completed during the fourth quarter of 2022. However, related government investigations remain ongoing, the company said. Get Vince McMahon the fuck out of WWE. Not because of the sexual misconduct shit. Not because of the federal grand jury subpoena. I am saying get Vince McMahon the fuck out of WWE for the fact that he is more of a hindrance than he is a help. I'll say that again. Vincent Kennedy McMahon is more of a hindrance than he is a help. I believe I saw on Instagram that WWE has made pretty much its highest paying in terms of dollars and numbers everything in the company's history. That was when Triple H started his creative reign over WWE and everything was better for it. And then you have Vince McMahon coming back in January to quote unquote facilitate the sale of WWE to Endeavor. And well, they've been friends for 21 years, so it's not surprising that Ari Emanuel would make Vince McMahon executive chairman of WWE. Nonsense. Bullshit. Complete and utter disarray that we do not need. Not for what Triple H has done. Not for what Triple H has done this pretty pretty much for the last year. I've said it many times before on this podcast. I think it bears repeating. Vincent... Kennedy McMahon is pissed off at the fact his son-in-law has outshined him since 2016. Every Big Four weekend, Vincent Kennedy McMahon proceeds to get his ass handed to him by his son-in-law. There are many reasons why. Creative the Triple H was better. Somehow be at it, creating the wonderful magic that was the old school mixed with the modern and being able to merge the two in a wonderful creative balance that Vince McMahon does not have anymore. 
there is no reason why Vince McMahon should still be a part of this company. I believe I said it last year. Vince McMahon is perfectly fine in terms of finances. He doesn't understand the fact that he can leave the company, at least creatively, in someone else's hands and make it better. But that's the problem with Vincent Kennedy McMahon. He wants to be number one. I mean, it's no secret what he did when Triple H was building up wonderful talent in NXT. Just to bring them up to the main roster and fuck them over. We know it's true. The agenda was there. We could all see it. But that does not excuse the fact that Vincent Kennedy McMahon I mean, I mean, major spinal surgery is no joke. And I do, even in this current tone that I'm speaking in, do wish him the best in his recovery. I mean, even when he has had major spinal surgery, he can still run the company from the cell phone while sitting in his bed. And that's a problem for me. And I think it's a problem for a lot of people. But it's the kind of problem that WWE doesn't need to be going back to. And that's the truth. Everything was perfectly fine while he was away. Pay-per-views. Storylines. Feuds. Talent being pushed underutilized talent being pushed at that. And surprisingly, WWE is better off because of it. Because Triple H has proven in NXT that when Vince McMahon was finally ready to hand over the keys to the kingdom, Triple H was already ready to take over anyway. is an absolute joke that WWE on SummerSlam would make me believe that we need Vince McMahon in this company. I said it before and I'll say it again. The old guard should have been gone a long time ago. A long time ago. When Vince left, Bruce and Pete, I was about to say Pete Dunn, Kevin Dunn should have been gone along with him. You don't keep the old guard around. And look what we have now. Makes my man returns. We have subpoenas and we have warrants now. Will they lead to anything? We don't know. 
At least I'll say that much. But I am tired of having to, you know, people having that conversation about whether it was a Triple H show or event show. No, it should just be Triple H running creative and Vince McMahon watching on from wherever the hell he may be. Taking solace in the fact that he has put the company, at least creatively, in good hands. He just can't seem to let it go. He can't seem to understand that his time has passed. All he had to do was ride off into the sunset. All he had to do was walk away for good. And we would have been perfectly fine with that. Because we already had Triple H's track record to speak of before he came to do work in the main roster creatively. The company was in good hands most money made company history you made NXT what it was and what it is today and he did the same thing to WWE and began going in a very wonderful direction and that's the way it should be Vince McMahon has done enough, more than enough, to prove that, yeah, he's good at what he does. Vincent Kennedy McMahon just can't seem to let it go. And that's a problem for me. Again, I do wish the man a very speedy recovery in his health, but it will be a long process. But it's a little tough to know you have subpoenas and search warrants over your head. And, I mean... They have the 51% share of the stake. Let him go. Let him heal. Let him do what he needs to do. I'm not saying it would happen. But I think it's the best course of action. Yeah, people will say, oh, but he's going, you know, he's healing from spinal surgery. He doesn't need it. He's good. For many lifetimes. It's time to put the past where it belongs. The past. Vince McMahon doesn't want to accept that he's the past.
when he left, WWE was fine. Just like Bullet Club was fine. Kinda. WWE is perfectly fine. We were getting bangers after bangers after bangers of premium live events. Now, is every show good? No. But that was okay. We expected it was going to take some time to kind of get everything situated. But when he did, it tore the house down and they know it. And Vince knows it. Class at the castle alone was money. Pharrell. It's one of those things where he has to understand it's over. I mean, still being ambassador to WWE. I mean, they still sing your song. Just saying. Creatively, there is no need for you to be around. Creatively. You could still be your executive chairman, but there's no need for you in creative. Triple H is fine. Being in Gorilla without you. Let him be in Gorilla without you. comes a time in a man's life where he has to understand he's not as crisp as he used to be. Not as good creative as he used to be. He's got ideas but they're not really hidden. Some land, many don't. That's when you don't want to accept the fact that you don't have it anymore. The pro wrestling world has begun to pass you by and you are simply trying to fight as hard as you can to control it all. Walk away. WWE will be just fine without you. It's in good hands. Creatively, you're done. It's Triple H's time now. It's a shame, really. It really is. Because of the simple fact that a man like Vince McMahon simply just can let it go. guys that's gonna be it for episode 373 of the ylp podcast as always thank you guys so much for taking time out of your day your night your afternoon and your evening wherever you may be wherever you are in the world 
thank you guys so much for checking out this episode of the podcast. And as always, I greatly and truly appreciate it. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, or opinions about today's episode or any of the other 372 episodes of the YLP podcast, do not hesitate to hit your boy up on a nice little voice message over on podcasters.spotify.com slash Young Lions Perspective or over on the Russell Attic Radio side of things, podcasters.spotify.com slash Russell Attic Radio. You can also hit us up over at ambiguouspodcastsolutions.com. Leave a comment, five-star rating over on Spotify. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, and everywhere else you listen to podcasts. If you want to stay up to date with everything that's going on with the YLP Podcast, do not hesitate, of course, to follow me on my social media. You can find me over on Twitter at YL Perspective. You can also find me on Instagram over at Young underscore Lions underscore Perspective. Follow me on all that to stay up to date with everything that's going on with YLP Podcast. Next week's episode, episode 374 of the YLP Podcast. We're talking, of course, about SummerSlam 2023. A very, very big match indeed with Jey Uso challenging Roman Reigns in tribal combat for the undisputed WWE Universal Championship. All that good stuff. We're going to talk about you know, Becky and Trish not being on the damn card uh, and how I feel about that or how I felt about that because, you know, I'm still going to feel some type of way even after today at SummerSlam. We're going to be discussing everything that happened, LA Night stuff, everything that goes down when it comes to SummerSlam. With our SummerSlam review, I will be giving you, of course, like I said, my entire thoughts about the show itself as much as I possibly can without, you know, having to go ape shit. But also, y'all know how we get down. We, of course, hand out our awards. The MVP of SummerSlam. Who will leave the biggest party of the summer with the YLP podcast MVP for SummerSlam 2023? You're going to have to stay tuned next week and find out. We're also going to be handing out our best and worst matches. Because there is good and there is also bad. Okay. It'd be like that sometimes. But most importantly, y'all know how we do. We always make sure we give it a final grade as a nice cherry on top. So hopefully you guys are excited for that. Me discussing SummerSlam, seeing how SummerSlam plays out. It is, it's a very intriguing card. It's a very intriguing day because there's a lot of things that could happen at SummerSlam. A lot happened last year and we'll see what happens this year. Guys, enjoy SummerSlam. If you're going to be watching live, if you don't, it's perfectly okay. That's why we have Peacock because we then can just watch it later on if we miss it. It'd be like that sometimes. It bees what it bees. It is what it is. But nonetheless, guys, enjoy the rest of your weekend. Have a fantastic kick-ass week. Be productive. Do great things. And even if they're hard and scary, do them anyway. Guys, love y'all so much. Enjoy the rest of your week. Have a great remainder of your weekend. And I'll see you guys right back here for episode 374 of the YLP Podcast. See you. This has been a Wrestle Attic Radio branded podcast.